0: Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody here and everybody online. Thanks for joining. Uh, my name is Dan. I'm one of the one of the elders here on the board. So he's we saying this morning, "There's power in the blood. There's power in the name of Jesus." Do we believe this? Amen. Yeah. He can also break every chain, right? So today we're continuing on a, on a series that we've been doing. Uh, you know, this is the fourth fourth in the series. Uh, Pastor West started this series you know, a few weeks ago talking about kind of the, the end statements of our church. Basically, if you're coming to the Alliance, these are things that we're hoping that you're going to be able to engage with and encourage you in your walk and grow. And so he talked about being in community, right? We want people who come to GPAC to feel like they're deeply connected with one another because when in that connection, iron sharpens iron. We can build each other. We can grow each other and go deeper. The week after that, then Barry got to speak on how do we engage with the hard things in life, right? The, 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 you know, what is your truth? Well, there's only one truth and that's Jesus. So, Barry talked to us about, you know, being grounded in biblical truth, how we, can, how we can combat what's going on in society today. Last week we had Pastor Rod talk about using our spiritual gifts, right? Being able to know what our gifting is and how can we serve in that gift? Because there's something powerful when we know what our gifting is, and we can, we can walk through that. So today I get, to, uh, I get to share the fourth of these goals, of these uh, end statements, and that is on GPAC people are seeking, so actively seeking, and sharing the gospel with people God places around them. Now, if anybody knows me, they know this is something near and dear to me, this is something I'm very passionate, that also made this sermon very difficult for me to write because I am very passionate about this. So I'd just like to open in prayer and uh, just join me. So Holy Spirit... We invite you into this place, just open our eyes, open our ears, let us encounter you Holy Spirit, just more of you and less of me, amen. So we don't have our, our notes, the, the scriptures that I'm going to be reading out of today up, on, up online or up on the screens, but I'm going to be first reading out of 1 John 1, 1-7. And I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, so you can open your Bible or you can just listen as I read this, but uh, it says, we saw upon him, sorry, we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him, the one who is from the beginning, the living expression of God. This life giver was made visible and we have seen him we testify to this truth the eternal life giver he lived face to face with the father and has now dawned upon us so we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together for truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus the anointed one we are writing these things to you because we want to release you to the fullness of joy this is a life-giving message we heard him share and it's still ringing in our ears we now repeat his words to you god is pure light you'll never find even a trace of darkness in him if we claim that we shared life with him but we keep walking in the realm of darkness we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth but if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him we share unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. So when we look at this text, a few things that kind of stood out to me. It says we saw, we gazed, we touched, right? It's an experience, it's an encounter. But then it continues on, we testify, we proclaim, we share. It's a call to action, right? We experience, and then what's our response going to be? But the intention of all this is that we may share joy and enjoy in this life together. Verse four says it's because we want to release to you the fullness of joy. So hopefully you see the progression here, right? We're gonna experience and we're gonna respond. So now as I was preparing for the sermon, I had a couple of questions that kept coming, coming up and going through my head. So those questions were, why should I share my faith? Second one, what drives me to share my faith. So something I've been fond of doing is, and I haven't had a lot of time this year, is I go for a walk, and if you guys don't know, I carry a 12-foot cross. It's not normal, but it's something God put on me, and He's taken me around the world doing this, and it's it's been an incredible time of, of reflection. When I go, sometimes I meet people, sometimes it's just time with myself and God. But as I was doing this, I got met with the answer. So 14 years ago, almost 14 years ago, I got saved. Before I got saved, I was broken. I was in bondage, bondage to lies, bondage to sin. I hated myself. I put on a big guy, big tough guy persona just to keep people away. I kept everybody kind of just at, at the edge. The thing is, though, was after I got saved, that bondage, those chains, they fell off. I got set free. That's where the journey started of my healing. To simply say that my life got changed is a total understatement. Every aspect, every area of my life has been transformed and continues to be. And because of that, my destiny has also been rewritten. What I experienced was new life and love. And with that experience, how could I keep that to myself? The people that I knew were dying. And I now knew that Jesus was the way. I just wanted to tell the world. So John 4, and I'm, I'm going to kind of paraphrase how this goes, but John 4 is the woman at the well. Jesus goes to Samaria. Now, Samaria is not a place that we should, Jesus should have been cult- culturally, shouldn't have been there, but he went there. And he met this woman. And when he met this woman, he has an encounter with her. They start talking, and they got talking about the living water. You know, they're at the well. Jesus uses the living water. And how this lady comes to him. She'll never be thirsty again. That woman replies, I want some of that. Give me that water. So Jesus' response to this, what's kind of interesting, is that before he says, here's the water, he says, go get your husband. And she says, no, I, I don't have a husband. And he says, You're right, you have five. Go and get the man that you live with. Now, Jesus is kind of calling her out. You know? He knows that she's not with a husband, she knows that he has more. But he calls her out. And that's okay. Now, Jesus' disciples start coming back, and this lady leaves. She goes to the village and start sharing with people that she's met the Messiah. She knows that it's the Messiah because he knew of her past. He knew she, where she was, and that was okay. She still, Jesus still give her the living water. So it's really cool. That village of people now has an encounter with this lady who now shares her faith with them. And then it goes on to say that these this village believed because of the testimony of her. She shared her faith, they believed. They came and then met Jesus. And it says that after they met Jesus, then their testimony, his testimony, that married together, then they believed because of what they experienced through him. But before Jesus entered the picture with with them, the testimony of this lady, much like us, when we share our faith with somebody, our testimony is filling that gap. It can help people get connected. i pretty encouraged by that. The interesting thing is, though, it started with Jesus being somewhere he shouldn't be. And sometimes I feel like we need to go places that we shouldn't be. So I walked with the cross in the past, and then a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit kept on pressing this question on me and He's pressed this on me over and over in the past and then once again, when I see people, the question, do you see them as I see them? And do you value them as I value them? So as I continued my walk through through Muscaticepi here, and I'm walking, the verse out of John 8 came to mind now. You guys might know John 8, this is the woman called an adultery. I've often wondered, you know, how do you catch one person in adultery? Like you caught her, but where was the guy? You know, it it just doesn't why did this happen? And they take this lady and she they drag her into the town and they throw her into this town square naked. If I was that woman, how would I feel? All my all my sin exposed for the world to see. How would you feel? Maybe it's not adultery, maybe it's something different, but if if the whole world knew and you got exposed and called out on what your sin is right now. Now Jesus is there and he's teaching. You know, he's on mission. This is what he's here for, right? He's here for a short time. He's teaching. This lady gets thrown in and what does he do? He stopped. He stopped what he was doing and he turns to her. And he gets down at her level, in the mess that she's in. And then he protects her. People wanted to kill her, and he protects her. And then he helps her stand up in dignity. But he wasn't good enough to leave her there. He wasn't good enough just to say, you know, hey, I protected you, let's stand up. He said, go and sin no more, right? It's go carry on in life, go learn, right? It's a progression. You don't hear a lot about how this lady responded after, the next day, the next week, the next month. But when I look at people, how do you feel when somebody sees you? When somebody says hi and it's genuine? Somebody sends you a message, you know, you guys hopefully just did a little texting saying what you're thankful for somebody. How does that make you feel? You feel valued, it lifts you up, it brings you, you feel pretty good. But I've often wondered, how would I respond in that situation? Now, a couple of months ago, Pastor Caleb did one of his sermons, and he asked this question, and and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was basically, do you ever wonder if somebody's saved? Do you see someone and you wonder, you know, does this person know Jesus? Now, in my life, I I do a lot of travel. I, you know, an airport's like my second home, so it's a hotel. And this is a question that burned on me for a lot of years is when I see people, I always wonder, do they know Jesus? And that has opened up a lot of opportunities for me to share my faith with people. You just start dialoguing, you start talking, and it it, kind of comes out. And I'm not going to say all those conversations are good. Sometimes I get rejected. Sometimes people, you know, they put their headphones in, they don't want to listen to me no more, and that's fine. But it's something that burns in me. Now, 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read out of 5. Five, verses 9 through 20. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation again. I, I love, this is such an encouragement when I read this. So whether we live or die, make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to Him. So this is a little bit of the reason why we do some of these things, right? It's to please God. For one day we'll be able, we'll all be openly revealed before Christ on His throne so that each of us will be duly, re- I can't even say this word, I wrote it, but basically you're going to be paid back for what, for what we did for our actions done in life, whether good or worthless. Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to persuade to to turn to him. I'm gonna read that again. This is the why. Because we stand in awe of God. Because we stand in awe of him, of who he is. We passionately persuade, it's a passion to persuade others to turn to him to share with them what we know. We know that our lives are transparent before the God who knows us fully. And I hope that we are also well-known to your consciences. Again, we are not talking an opportunity, we are not taking an opportunity to brag, but giving you the information that will enable you to be proud of us. So it's a little bit more of the reason, right? It's not inward focus, this is outward focus. We're trying to grow. This is God's kingdom. And to answer those who esteem outward appearances when overlooking what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy it is for god but if we are in our right minds it is for your benefit for it is christ's love that feels our passion and holds us tightly because we are convinced that he has given his life for all of us this means that all who died with him this means that all died with him so that we that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. So from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances for that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now, if anyone is unfolded into Christ, he's becoming an entirely new person. All that is related to the old has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. God gave us that mission to reconcile others to himself. In other words, this, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted us The ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to god we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of christ to the to the world as though god were tenderly pleading with him directly through our lips so we tenderly plead with you on christ's behalf turn back and be reconciled to him it's a little bit of the motivation why we do this it needs to be compelled and motivated by love fueled by passion We're not supposed to be self-absorbed it's not about me it's not about us and we're trying to be reconciled to god but sharing our faith isn't just about the lost it's not just about the unbeliever we're supposed to share our faith amongst one another iron sharpens iron right we need to encourage and build up our body if you think i'm just my kids you know when they were little teaching them how to swim trying to get them to jump off a diving board, to get them to jump, jump off the edge. They didn't want to. They were scared. They were afraid. They wanted to see somebody who had gone before them. They wanted somebody to stand there and try and encourage them to do it. Now, after somebody did, it was kind of, you know, then they wanted to do it again and again and again and again. Sharing sure, our faith it can be like that. It's scary at first. But you have somebody to encourage you and show you how. You can do it again and again. And again, and it gets easier. Looking through scriptures in my own personal walk, I've clung to three stories, and they're all stories of water that have really encouraged me. Moses coming to the Red Sea, he's faced with this water in front of him. God showed up in a mighty way in part of that water. Peter getting out of the boat. I don't like boats to begin with, but standing on water, I mean, that, that terrifies me. But here Peter took the step of faith. And while his eyes were on Jesus, he got out and he walked on water. And when the Israelites come to to the Jordan and they receded the water so they could cross, these are verses that have been deeply ingrained in me, have encouraged me. And the more I've stepped out in faith and obedience, the more I see God parting the waters and helping me to walk on water. The more you share your faith, the more you see God show up, the more you can do this and the more you can be encouraged by it. And the more you do that, the bolder you can get. So a few years ago, I was listening to an audiobook. It's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, the Christian te- Testimony of Nabil, and I can't pronounce the last name. So this, this is a story of a Muslim man who's now living with a Christian in university, I believe. And, and they're kind of going through this, and they're being very respectful of each other, sharing their faith of why I'm Christian, why I'm Muslim. And they're, they're going through this. Now, Nabil actually does end up becoming a Christian. But it was because of all this walking that his roommate did and talking with him and walking with him through this that he actually did finally come to know, to know Jesus. But he made a statement that, that really, really kind of hit me. He said, all these years he's known Christians, in school, in the workplace, all these things. And he said, not one ever bothered to share Jesus with him. And he said, now that I'm a believer, And i see jesus this is the only way for me to go to heaven i was condemned to hell and he said not one person obviously loved me because they didn't share jesus with me that was his conclusion and when you go back to why do we share why do we share our faith why do we share the gospel it's supposed to be compelled out of love so i wanted to kind of picture this just you're driving down an old abandoned back road whatever You come across a car, and that car's maybe on its side. A Little bit of flames coming out of it, and there's a person trapped inside this car. Now, you're driving, you're the only person in your vehicle, and they're the only person in this car. Where you're at, you don't have time to call STARS, to call 911, to call for help. This person's life is in danger. That car's gonna explode. What do we do? You have the opportunity, if you try and pull them out of this car, you might save their life. But to get them out of the car because they're pinned, you might end up breaking a leg. You might break an arm. You might hurt them. But what do we do? First aid would tell you, life over limb. Get them out. Do whatever you can. thing is, this is a, ter- this is a temporary life that we're in, right? How do we look at... The people around us and their eternity are we willing to step into these things and actually break a leg you know get dirty get messy and i'm not telling anybody go break somebody's leg to know jesus but you know sometimes in the hospital you can pray with people i mean it's it's good so i did a little bit of research i wanted to know why do people what keeps people from sharing their faith and uh, so the top eight reasons number one is fear they're afraid of how people are going to respond. Now in the Bible, it says 366 times, have courage and fear not. So what am I afraid of? Number two, lack of training. It says no one ever showed me how to talk to people about spiritual matters. St. Francis was quoted as saying, preach the gospel and use words if necessary we want to share our faith, it has to start with our lives. Are we living a, God, a life honoring to God? And people see that. And when they see that, it opens doors, and these are doors that no man can shut. Number three, people have minimal contact with unbelievers. You know, as people say I mostly spend my, my circle, the people I work with or I'm around, are all my Christian friends. John 4, Jesus went to Samaria sometimes we have to go places that we don't typically typically go number four sometimes we have shaky theology we want to say that god's in control that he is i mean predestination right i mean whether somebody gets saved or not it's not what i do it's on them and the holy spirit and what's going to work with that right i don't really need to interject well mark 16 says tells us go into the world and preach the gospel to all nations Number five, we have a lack of concern. I have a lot going on in my life, I'm busy, I don't have time for this. I had to ask myself, am I concerned with the salvation of others? Number six, we lose sight of the power of the gospel. We don't think that my words, my story can impact somebody. and it won't make a difference. Truth is, your story is what's gonna reach somebody. Your gifts and your testimony They can reach people I can never reach. Number seven, disobedience. Just flat out, I don't want to do it. Well, Jesus commanded us to love God, love others, and as we just heard, go and share the gospel. Are we keeping those commandments of loving if we're not sharing the gospel? Number eight, we forget what successful evangelism really is. You know, this might be, I've shared the gospel with 10 people, with 12 people, with a bunch of people, and they never came to know Jesus. So what's the point? Well, in Luke 15, we see leaving the 99 to look for one, tearing a house apart to look for a couple of coins. I used to be that one. You used to be that one. Just imagine if nobody bothered to share with you. So the first time I took my took cross overseas, we went to London. And I really thought God was going to do something amazing with us. I thought, you know, there's going to be like people coming to faith. And it's going to be really cool. And imagine my discouragement when I got back, and not one person prayed to receive Christ while we were there. Thing is, though, when I got back to Grand Prairie and I shared our story with someone, that person came to faith. And what's really cool now is, is five years later, I've watched their family members, and I've seen generations now that know Jesus through that person. It's about finding one. When we went to Asia, we met a man, and he seen us walking with the cross, and he, he didn't know what it was. Like, he literally did not know what the cross of Jesus was. Never heard of Jesus. Nobody's ever shared this with him. And as we talked with him, he said, you know, nobody knew. I didn't know this. That man right then and there made a profession to, to call Jesus the Savior. There's about one. So as we look back to the end statements of GPAC sharing the gospel, what does it look like and how can we practically, practically do this? And I'm going to be the first to tell you there is no cookie cutter mold. And that's the beauty of it. God has gifted all of us in our own ways on how to reach people. You know, God's given me the gift of, of or going out with a cross or doing some of these crazy things, but that doesn't mean that's what he's calling you to do. But if we go out with being genuine, authentic, motivated by love, fueled by our passion to reach the lost, it could make a pretty big impact. I'm gonna let you guys know you're not always going to have the passion and, and, and the drive and all this stuff when you first start. That took me years of walking with the cross before I actually started feeling passionate about it. It was a calling, and it was out of obedience. But after doing that, I prayed and I got joy. And then it became no longer burdensome. Last week, Pastor Rod was sharing about our giftings. We all have them are we using them do we know what they are how we can talk to people how we can relate to people and the stories that they're going through and what what's been going on in their lives i want you guys to know that your story matters and that you matter and that sharing that story will make an impact in god's kingdom knowing this it is our response to jesus that would be willing to share our faith in the gospel with others. And it's probably going to require us to get out of our comfort zone. It's going to require some intentionality to do it. If you're just waiting for something to happen, it might happen, but it might not. We've got to ask ourselves these hard questions. We've got to be willing to move into an area of holy discontentment. You know where God and the Holy Spirit are going to move us to action. And if you think... We can have joy in the pain, we can have joy while we're going through this stuff, we can share joy. That lady back in John 4, she came to faith in the whole village, came to faith. Now this sermon's feeling heavy at all, I, I, it's not my intention. And I, I want to recognize we have a lot of people here who are out there sharing their faith, who are out there sharing the gospel with people, you know, they're evangelizing, they're meeting people. And I want to thank you for that because I know that there's members in this church who shared their faith with me and encouraged me and continue to encourage me. So I want to encourage you to keep going, keep doing it. But I gotta say, my heart is heavy. We keep hearing you know, people saying they want Jesus to come back. But for Jesus to come back, the nations have to know. 2,000 years we've been trying to get the gospel message out and we haven't done it yet. A statistic that I, that I read really kind of bothered me. COVID took six months for the world to know. And if I look back at how did everybody know about COVID, what were the conversations? Think back to your lives over the last few years. Conversations surrounded it. Social media surrounded it. The news surrounded it. It was in the workplace. It was in the schools. It was in the, every place you went shopping. Everything was about it. So what that tells me is we live in a day and age right now, we could get the gospel out to the, all nations. But to do that, we have to be intentional. We have to be willing to have it in our schools, have it in our works, have it in our conversations, have it at our dinner table, have it everywhere we go. And we can see it. So I just want to take a moment. I'm just going to ask you guys to close your eyes. And, and I just want you to reflect on this and encourage you. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there someone you're wanting, the Holy Spirit wants you to share their faith with? What does that even look like? I want you to ask the Holy Spirit how He wants you to do that. And to break down any walls that might be preventing you. And for the Holy Spirit to encourage you in this. leave you with this. Let your heart be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you are filled with love and filled with the love of Jesus and for others. And that love will compel you, compel all of us to move and to be obedient, to be bold and courageous in our faith and it's all for the glory and honor of the Lord Most High and for his kingdom's sake. Amen.